and welcome to Lighthouse Vineyard Church. We appreciate you joining us through this podcast. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to give online at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for joining us and enjoy the message. <laughs> so um, I've been really excited about meeting here in this space. Uh, Voice Ministries has been a huge blessing to us, allowing us to, to use their space every Sunday night. Um, but we are looking for a Sunday morning space. We'd like to be able to move to Sunday mornings sometime, maybe this fall, maybe early next year, but as soon as possible. So if you guys would, add that to your prayer list, you know, that a Sunday morning space will, will open up. We've checked into a lot of places and uh, could continue uh, to use your prayers. So if you guys would, be praying for that. And I'm going to pray for the offering. So if you guys would pray with me, I'm going to pray for the space too. So God, we come to you right now. And we thank you for this uh, wonderful location that we're able to meet in every Sunday night, God. But we pray, Lord, that you would open up the doors so that we can find a place that we can meet on Sunday mornings as well, God. So we, we trust your timing. Um, but God, we do pray and ask that you would open up those doors. And Lord, we do thank you for the generosity of so many people here at the church. We pray that you would bless them for giving uh, a portion of their funds to the church, God. And I pray that you give us wisdom to know how to use it to further your kingdom. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so I'm going to start tonight's uh, message by asking a question. Have you ever had someone who believed in you? Just think about it for a second. You ever had someone who just really believed in you? I can tell you it can transform your life. Here's just a few examples from my life. As I was putting this message together, I thought of a few so back in high school, I was part of a youth group. We used to call them youth groups, by the way. Mennonite youth group is what we called them. Yeah, but I think maybe we should call it, it was actually Mennonite Youth Fellowship. MYF is what we called it. So maybe we should go with Lighthouse Youth Fellowship. What do you guys think? Life, right? Yes. Sounds good? I don't know. Anyway, so I was part of this youth group. And as a freshman or sophomore, somewhere around there, and they um, asked me to be on the leadership team for putting together the Wednesday night Bible study. And so um, I was pretty excited about that, joined that. But what I didn't know was that one of the things that they asked me to do was to pray on Wednesday nights, you know, out loud in front of people. I was scared to death. But that was the first time I prayed. So it was really neat to have my youth leaders see that in me and, and give me that opportunity. Now, you fast forward a little bit. I was working at Memorial Hospital. It was my first job outside of uh, graduating from college. And I had been a computer programmer there for about three years. And then my boss, Wayne Fisher, he said, hey, Clint, I'd like to promote you to the programming manager. I was like, wow, that's kind of cool. I've never been a manager before. And I took that on. So he saw something in me and gave me that first opportunity to, to be a uh, manager on the leadership team at the hospital. And I think at that time, I was one of the youngest managers uh, at the hospital. So he saw something in me and gave me that opportunity. And then uh, fast forward again in 2006, Pastor Mark Pope uh, from the Vineyard Church, he said, hey, Clint, would you like to teach with me on a Sunday? And I'll tell you, I, I hate public speaking. I don't know if you guys know that, but it's not something I like to do. And I was awful, just so you know. He gave me that opportunity to speak. And the message was, would Jesus have a BlackBerry successfully navigating the technological jungle? 
but he saw something in me, you know, believed in me and, and gave me that opportunity. And then just recently, this past year, uh, Rose and I were talking and we knew that God had called us to start this church and to move forward in it. And uh, I just got into this, this mood where I'm like, I don't, I just don't know I can do it. If I can do it, I don't know if I can lead a church. I've never done this before. And Rose is like, no, Clint, really? You can do this. You can do this. You got to believe in yourself. And Rose believed in me during that time because there is power when someone believes in us, right? There is power when someone believes in us. It changes everything. We can do things we never thought would be possible. Katie Kazvinsky, she's an author, she says, it's amazing how far you're willing to go when someone believes in you. And then Stephen Covey says, treat a man as he is, and he will remain as he is. Treat a man as he can and should be, and he will become as he can and should be. See, there is power when someone believes in us. And I, I don't know about you, but I need people in my life to believe in me. I think we all do. I need people to encourage me. And the really cool thing is that scripture is full of encouragement. And so when we dive into our Bibles, we can get some of that encouragement. And I'm super excited about this new series that we're starting today because we're going to be studying the book of Philippians. And uh, it's one of my favorite books of the Bible. It's only four chapters long. Maybe that's why I like it so much. It's just four chapters. But I have memorized more sections of scripture out of Philippians than any other book in the Bible. That's how much I like it. That's a, it's a letter from the Apostle Paul to a young church in the town of Philippi, which is in modern day Greece. And this young church was a, a recent church plant, just like us. Uh, Paul believed in this church. He loved the church. And uh, Paul was the reason Paul actually started this church. So Philippians is a letter of encouragement. Now, most of Paul's letters, if you read those throughout the Bible to the churches, they have encouragement, but they also have a lot of instruction and correction. But this one is really just full of encouragement. And since we are a new church, I thought it'd be good for us to spend a couple of weeks and, uh, and go through this and receive some encouragement together. You know, most churches don't make it. I don't know if you guys know the church statistics, but somewhere between 50 and 80% of new churches don't make it. And so I think it's good for us to get a little encouragement, right? Because this church is going to make it, right, Hope? Yeah, she's nodding her head. Give me some encouragement up here. I'm, I like that. All right. But you know, it's not just about the church, though, okay? It's about each and every one of us, about how God believes in us, how God believes in you, and how he believes in me. And I believe that this scripture is going to help us to encourage us. So I'm looking forward to studying this book together. So if you want to turn there, um, it's in Philippians, so... It's in the New Testament. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels, Acts, Romans, 1 and 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. All right, so don't go to Colossians. Stop at Philippians. It's about halfway through the New Testament. And we're going to be in there the next several weeks. So you can stick a bookmark in there if you would like. But uh, we're going to start with the first six verses of Philippians chapter 1. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, together with the overseers and deacons. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. 
being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So our message series is called Optimistic Outlook, Encouraging Words to a New Church. And I'm going to give you a couple of points that I found from the scripture, just kind of get us started, um, that can give us an optimistic outlook. But let me pray, and then we'll get started. So Father, we come to you, and we thank you for uh, this simple book, just kind of smack dab in the middle of the New Testament, Lord. And as I've been studying this book and reading this book, I'm just so grateful that it really does apply to where we're at as a church, where we are as individuals, Father. And so, Lord, I pray that you would anoint your words, Lord, that you speak to our hearts, that you would give us the encouragement that we need today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so you can fill this in on your handout if you'd like. There's a couple of points. So we can be optimistic of our future because, number one, God is doing the work because God is doing the work. So going back to uh, our scripture, verse 6, it says, Paul says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So we're talking about God who has done the good work. He has begun that good work in each one of us. It was all him. So I want to go back to uh, the beginning days of the church in Philippi so you can get a better understanding of, of the audience that, that Paul was trying to teach. So, so the city of Philippi was in Macedonia, which is in modern-day Greece. The actual ruins of it are close to the city of Philippoi. I don't know why they changed the name, but it starts with an F instead of a PH. And uh, Paul had actually visited this city in AD around 49 or 50. And then he went back through and visited again in AD 56 and 57. And this letter, we believe, was written while Paul was a prisoner in Rome uh, about five years after his last visit there, around AD 61 or 62. Now, his, the cool thing is his first encounters with the church in Philippi, the first converts, are listed in the book of Acts. And so if you want to turn there, we're going to be reading through Acts chapter 16, and it's going to give us kind of a background, a setting of the rest of the book of, of Philippians so we understand who he was actually talking to when he wrote this book. So Acts chapter 16, verse, starting with verse 6, I'm going to read this section, the first uh, five verses here. It says, Paul and his companions traveled through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Tros, Tro Troas. And then during the night... Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him. Now, Macedonia, again, is the region that Philippians are from, so where the city of Philippi is at. So a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So after Paul had seen the vision, he got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So it starts out, the story starts out with God speaking to Paul through a dream, through a vision, and saying, I need you to go over to Macedonia and preach the gospel. 
Okay, so God is already starting and orchestrating something. Now, Philippi was a popular city in the region of Macedonia, so Paul went there. And after arriving in Philippi, we pick up uh, verse 13. It says, on the Sabbath, Paul and Silas, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message when she and the members of her household were baptized. So that's the first converts in the city of Philippi is Lydia and her family, okay? And it's the Lord that opened up her heart to the gospel. Moving on to verse 16, it says, once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, these men are servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. Now, that probably sounded good for like a day, you know what I mean? But it probably started to get a little annoying because she kept this up for many days. Can you imagine that? This late, this girl running behind you and just shouting out. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. So we don't know if this slave girl became part of the church, but we can probably assume that she did. She found freedom for the first time in her life, possibly. She had freedom, and she heard the gospel without this demonic presence in her life. Now, it really sounds like a good story, right? But it isn't so good back then, because the slave owners actually made a lot of money off of this girl. And now that she was freedom, free in Christ, she could no longer prophesy with a demonic spirit. And so they actually had Paul and Silas arrested because they destroyed his source of income. So Paul and Silas are actually arrested because of this. They're thrown into jail, and then they're beaten, OK? So we're going to pick up this last section of scripture in verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Now, just a second. They were beaten pretty severely, OK? And I heard that they were actually handcuffed. And one, one uh, author's description of this was that when they, when they bound them with handcuffs, they didn't actually just like bind their hands together. They bound their hands and their feet in such a way that they were like stretched, OK, and extremely uncomfortable. So that's how Paul and Silas are kind of kept in this place. And what are they doing? They're not moaning or groaning or screaming. They're actually singing and praising God. And it's midnight. I mean, it's late into the evening. Verse 26, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. Back then, it was a big deal to be a prison guard, okay, a jailer. I mean, you were entrusted with these people, these prisoners, and if they escaped, they killed you instead. I mean, it was a big deal, if you can kind of think of how important this was. So instead of allowing himself to be killed or 
or uh, persecuted or beaten or whatever. He just wanted, I'm just going to go ahead and kill myself. I mean, that was the plan, all right? But Paul shouts. He says, don't harm yourself. We're all still here. So the jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your whole household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. And at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. So that's the next converts, you know, is the jailer and his family. See, God did all of this. If you kind of go back to that first point, God is doing all of the work. Paul knew that when he was speaking to them. He understood the miraculous things that God had done to bring about freedom and salvation in Philippi. First, God called Paul to go there in a dream. Then he opened up Lydia's heart to receive the gospel, her and her whole family. Then he miraculously freed this girl from demonic power. And then he caused this miraculous earthquake in the jail that, that it really it freed all of the prisoners, opened up all the doors, and yet they didn't leave. They, they stayed, and the jailer's heart was completely turned to Christ because of that. But that's the beginning of this church in Philippi. So as we kind of go through this, this book, you can be thinking, this is who Paul is speaking to. He knows these people by name. He knows their story. Lydia, she, you know, she'd be like a modern-day fashion designer. You know, purple cloth is a big deal back then. Her and her whole family. You have a, an ex-demon-possessed slave girl, and you had this hardened jailer who was determined he was just going to kill himself. So he, he now feels like a freed man. But it was God who called them, opened their hearts to the gospel. It was God who changed their lives. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. It's a gift of God. We can't do this. It was God who did the work in them. It is God who is doing the work in us as well. Now, you might think that I'm a fairly nice guy, but I'll tell you, it's only by the grace of God that I'm a nice guy. On my own, on my best day, just ask my family. I can be quite a jerk. I really can, all right? In fact, my wife, she knows when I haven't done my devotions in the morning. She knows. About once or twice a year, I'll get up late, and I won't have time, and I'll just kind of rush through, and I won't spend time with God and my Bible. And I'll tell you what, it affects me. I'm a different person when I haven't first given my life to God every morning. And she'll look at me and go, did you, did you read your Bible today? Because you're kind of a jerk, you know? Because it affects me. It affects me. So God is changing me. But my guess is it's not just me. It's you as well, because I'm guessing that there's probably in a group this size some selfish tendencies. Anybody? Anyone? Yeah, a few. Yeah. Thank you, Harmony. I appreciate that. All right. So <laughs> Romans 3, 10 and 12 says, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. You see, that includes you and me. 
we really don't have the power to fix ourselves. We don't have the power within ourselves to clean ourselves up. So you may be asking, I thought this was supposed to make us optimistic, right? Doesn't sound very optimistic. This is why. If it was up to me to improve myself, I'd fail every time. I would. But the good news is, it's not up to me. It's God working inside of me. When we give our lives to God, it's up to him to improve us, to change us. Now, this is the God who created the universe, who put all the stars in the sky. This is the God who raised Jesus from the dead. This is the God who changed Paul from being a Christian killer to being an apostle in the church. This is the God who cleaned up my life and called me to be a pastor. This is the same God who gives us incredible, incredible hope for tomorrow. So you can write this down. I shouldn't limit my progress because God's power to change me is limitless. When we give our lives to God, no matter what shape we are in, no matter what mistakes we have made in the past, no matter what family we came from, no matter how we look, no matter how we feel about ourselves, God is doing the work inside of us, and his power is limitless. And we can be optimistic about what he can do in our lives. So here's a question I want you to ask yourself. Have you limited yourself because of past mistakes? Have you written yourself off from maybe a greater and grander vision because of some sins that you've committed or some sins that have been committed to you? Because I'm here to say God's power is limitless. His ability to change you, to improve you, to use you any way he wants to put you on a stage, to put you on a platform, or to put you in a factory, changing lives there. It doesn't matter. God's power to use you is limitless. So that's point number one. We can be optimistic of our future because God is doing the work. And then point number two is pretty simple. We can be optimistic of our future because God is not finished with me yet. He's not finished. The scripture says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He will continue the work that he has begun. Now, the goal for each one of us, the work to be done, is to become more and more like his son Jesus, all right? Every one of us who has decided to follow Christ and make him our personal Lord and Savior, that is our goal, is to become more and more like his son Jesus. Now, this process has an actual Christian term. Anybody know it? I heard some, right? <laughs> Sanctification, right? Sanctification. I can never remember this word. I always have to look it up because I forget it every time. It's one of those churchy terms. So I just say, become more like Jesus. But the state of growing, this is what it says, the state of growing in divine grace as a result of Christian commitment after baptism or conversion. 
So again, in simple terms, it means becoming more like Jesus. So for me, at the beginning of each year, this is how it looks like in my life. At the beginning of each year, I will um, create some goals for the next year, and I'll review my goals from the previous year and just kind of see how I did. But I also spend some time and go, man, am I any different spiritually than I was a year ago? Do I look a little bit more like Jesus? Because my hope is that each year, I'll be able to go back and say, yeah, I'm a little bit further, and I'm a little bit further. Um, you know, my hope is 10 years from now, I'll look back at me today and go, man, he had a long way to go. But he grew, and he grew, and he grew. That's my hope, my hope. Now, it's not an overnight process, but it should be a continual process in our lives. We should never stop growing, each one of us. There is another level for us to attain. God's not finished with us yet. We should become a little more like Jesus each day, each week, each month, each year. Sometimes it's a gentle nudge. It just kind of gives you a little nudge. I love those times. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Sometimes it's like a blacksmith who is making, you ever seen that where they're hitting, a, a, creating a horseshoe? It's like a steel bar. They heat it up, this intense pressure, and then they just start beating it with a hammer. You know, just start beating it with an hammer. I was watching a video of that this week. You know, and, and just hitting it over and over again. And eventually, you know, it turns into this beautiful shape of a horseshoe. Sometimes that's the way God changes me. I don't know about you guys, but I, I get the hammer sometimes. You can't be sure of this, though. God will continue the work in each one of us. None of us are exactly like Jesus yet, so he's going to continue that work in each one of us. I was so excited because last week we baptized 13 people. Here's a picture of them. That was a super exciting time for me. The three questions that I asked each one of them um, said, do you believe that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of the world? Have you made him your personal Lord and Savior? And by getting baptized today, do you commit to following him the rest of your life? Now, salvation and getting baptized is not the end of the story, right? It's the beginning of the journey. God wants us to become more and more and more and more like his son, Jesus. It's a process. But the neat thing, again, is that God is the one doing the work. We just have to submit to the process. We need to get into the game, we need to be willing to be part of the process. Um, in closing, I was, as I was thinking about this, I was reminded of a video by the skit guys um, that they put out. And it's just a really good uh, video that kind of shows this process. So if you guys, we're, we're just going to close by watching this five-minute video. So check this out. Thank you for enjoying the message. We hope we helped you know God more intimately. If you feel our ministry is helping you spiritually, feel free to give online at lighthousevineyard.church. Thank you once again for being part of our family, and we'll see you next time.